I know a lot of you are thinking about turkey. Why? Because if you're from the States, it's Thanksgiving, yes. But even if you're not from the States, it's always a good opportunity to reflect and think about what you're thankful for. And you wanna know what I'm thankful for? <laughs> you're never gonna guess, it's you. I'm thankful for you, the listener. And I also appreciate you if you backed our latest Kickstarter live right now. What, we have something on Kickstarter? Yes, what is it? Mothership. Sean McCoy's horror sci-fi role-playing game, Mothership. Currently on Kickstarter, we have the next adventure module for it. It's called Gradient Descent. The story, imagine an entire space station full of androids doing nothing but making androids. So it's perpetually growing full of androids. Oh my, horrific. And again, that's available on Kickstarter right now. If you haven't already backed us, don't worry, you still can. So thank you for those that have already backed us. And thank you for those of you that will check out the link in the show notes of this show or will just search out Kickstarter for Gradient Descent Adventure Module. Gradient Descent. Also, we have episode 200 coming soon. So if you haven't already, please send in all of your favorite moments, least favorite moments, stories, comments, questions, concerns to podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. So we can make episode 200 the best possible episode it can possibly be. But let's stop talking about episode 200 and let's talk about this episode, episode 198. I have guests Ryan and Aaron. Now they had a brilliant idea for a game, but sometimes having a brilliant idea for a game is not enough. You got to package that thing. You got to market that thing. You got to sell that thing. But sometimes someone may come in and swoop your idea away and beat you to market. Or maybe you already went to market, but not in the greatest of ways. And then someone thinks I can market that thing better. And then they do it. What? Stealing games? Is that really a thing? I think so. Let me shut up and let's continue this episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Enjoy! And happy Thanksgiving. I'm Alan Girding, and this is the Tuesday Night Podcast, the podcast that's all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and even under the gaming table. And today, I have two guests, so there's three of us on the show this time. <laughs> they haven't been on the show before as guests slash nobles, but they have been on the show before because they contributed a story for the Halloween episode. Please welcome Ryan and Aaron. Hey, you two. Hey. hey. <laughs> we should get to know each other. Let's get some backstory on the two of you. Who are you? Uh, well, I'm Aaron, just so you can kind of get familiar with my voice and recognize that. We're uh, aspiring game designers. We've been fans of the hobby for 10 years or so. Got introduced with those typical gateway games, the Catans and the Carcassons. Nice. After hitting some conventions and the Kickstarter scene kind of rising up. We're like, you know what? We think uh, we think we might have some ideas. Let's try it out. Let's see if we can make a game. Now, Aaron, did you want to share your last name just so people can creep you on Facebook and social media and whatnot? Of course. My last name is Crow, like the bird. And what's your name, Ryan? And my name is Ryan. 
My last name is Scott, also like the bird. <laughs> is it really a Scott bird or are you just fucking with no, us? No, I'm just making that up. Okay. <laughs> I actually want to say I got into board games when I was younger because my dad liked to play Monopoly. He did this thing where he only bought specific properties. So in Monopoly, there's this theory where if you buy the orange and the red properties, that's where everyone lands the most. And he did that. So from an early age, I learned to hate playing board games with my dad. And two, if you can figure out the science behind the board game, you can beat anyone at it. How do you two know each other? So we actually went to high school together. We mostly knew each other back then through friends of friends. And that's kind of when the game night started and then going to movies and all that kind of thing. So here we are. I actually think the catalyst was a night that we played this pirate board game. That was what triggered it. I don't what was. Do you remember the name of that game? Pirateology. Pirateology. Oh, Pirateology. Oh, that was one of those cheap bargain bin ones oh, yeah. from Barnes oh, and yeah. Noble or whatever. They had Wizardology as well. Dragonology. Yep. So we dressed up like pirates. We had a lot of people dressed like pirates. We drank a lot of rum. I think at one point we were all in our boxers in the jacuzzi, and there was pirate coins found yeah. in that jacuzzi. Yeah, we had to fish them out the next morning. <laughs> yeah. And if you haven't pegged the voices, you both contributed the Halloween Cupid story. I love that story. And the way you both told it was magnificent. It left on a cliffhanger. You thought, oh my goodness, this person was just shot by an actual handgun and they're going to bleed out all over the place. Well, I shouldn't even ruin it. If you haven't listened to the Halloween episode yet, go back to episode 196 for the Halloween Spectacular. Anyway, so you two hung out with each other in high school and then you got together again in college, post-college. Where are you all from then if you went to the same high school? Phoenix, Arizona, land of the desert. I met you at, was it Origins? I want to say it was Origins yes. in Columbus. Yep. Yes. I met you at Origins this past year. And one thing I've learned about the two of you is that you both really like toys. In fact, <laughs> I canceled on you because we were supposed to record yesterday. Can we do it tomorrow? Graciously, you both said yes. You also sent me an email saying, no, it's cool because we just went and hung out in the toy section in Target instead of recording the podcast with you. So what's the deal with the toys? Do you not like toys? I feel like toys are great. I mean, I love toys. I just want to know how you found out that both of you like to hang out and discuss, collect, play with toys. Well, so our group of friends, we kind of reconnected at a pirate party where we're playing a pirate board game and we're dressed up as pirates and stuff. So we do stupid shit like that all the time. You know, there may have been like a Nerf war here or there. In the (sighs) desert. In the desert, yeah. Out in the (laughs) desert at night. Yeah. It's time for a Nerf war. And then you bond over Nerf guns, and then you start talking about Legos, or I don't know. It just kind of snowballs from there, I think. We both have a lot of toys in our rooms, so it was pretty obvious that. I myself have a pretty extensive past with Nerf Wars. Did you have restrictions on the guns you were allowed to use during your Nerf Wars, or was it a free-for-all? Automatic guns are just as legal as a single pullback action pump gun. It was free-for-all. Yeah, we kind of pool everything we have and then categorize them a little bit. So you have like your lighter handguns. We all kind of collect different types. And we have one friend who just has like all the $100 Nerf guns. The only thing on earth that requires D batteries anymore. And so we kind of divvy those up. So what were some of the restrictions then? You just have to say like, oh, everyone gets one light gun and maybe one person were their teams. I just want to know all of your Nerf details that you can give me. We definitely had 
two teams. I think it was a bit of a draft. So you pretty much ended up with a nicer gun and then some kind of pistols. But the, the thing is, in the desert, it's kind of hard to reload a bunch of Nerf bullets. I'm not sure it was easy to see people. So at the end, it was mostly us running around with the pistols because they were easy to reload. And I think yeah. we had a few that were anchored because there was definitely like one that's like a Gatling gun. It has a tripod. So we're like, okay. Oh, there's the Warthog. I'm talking my days are back in the mid to late 90s. That was before they had the air pump guns because nowadays you can pump them like a squirt gun and there's a whole bunch of air behind it. Yeah. The Warthog was literally the chain gun where it had the crank. It was cool because it had the stickers on it that made it actually look like a Warthog with a pig nose. And you would just turn that huge crank. Dun, 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 and it would just shoot all of those Nerf darts. Oh, man. And then when they came out with the pump guns, we kind of fell out of love with it because it was almost too cheap for us. And we were getting what we thought was too old and it wasn't cool anymore. I am embarrassed to even admit that now because how <laughs> dare us think it was too lame. That's so great. How long ago was this? There was a birthday I had probably a few years back where we did a big Nerf war out in the desert. So yeah, three, three, four years. What were the rules for elimination? How do you keep track? Do you just have the honor system where you, if you feel yourself get hit or if someone sees you get hit, how do you claim hits? I think we tried kind of a capture the flag thing. So the idea was if you get hit, you have to go back to your side and reactivate. So it's like a respawn kind of thing. So if you get hit, you reset. So you have to go back to your side, touch something or... It was near a mountain. (laughs) (laughs) It was desert. We lost a lot of Nerf bullets. There was a lot of sand in some of my Nerf guns after. Wow. Yeah, because most of my Nerf wars have been indoors because I live in the snow belt of Cleveland. Yes. I remember one of the guns was the manta ray. And man, people loved it. It actually <gasps> looked like a manta ray. I and have you could, the manta ray. You do? I love the manta ray. Yeah, so you it's, can like use a, it it's like a shield too. Exactly, yes. <laughs> and it can shoot four at once, but you can control two or two at the same time. So with good. like that sensitive trigger. Yep, yep. Yes. And so our oh, rules were three hits, you were out, and you would just have to use the honor system. But with the manta ray, the cool thing about the manta ray was if you just squeezed all four of those bullets and at least three of them made their mark, it was an elimination. So we'd run in with the manta ray, ah, ah, batting darts out of the air with it, and then bam! Oh, man. Oh, we should play. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You're talking Aaron Speed right now because isn't your favorite animal the manta ray? It's one of them. Yeah. It's up there. <laughs> you ready for a pop quiz? Oh, yes. man. What's the difference between a manta ray and a stingray? I thought it was your favorite animal, son. What's, what's <laughs> well, with the I mean, delay? So manta ray is obviously bigger. They have the protruding things in front of their mouth. The little mandible type things. Yeah. And then they obviously don't have a stinger. The barbed tail. I'm going to believe uh-huh. you on that. I'm not going to check you on this. But <laughs> he's not a stingray expert. He's a manta ray expert. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but manta rays are not what killed Steve Irwin. Am I correct in saying that? It was a stingray that killed Steve Irwin. You're correct. Okay, cool. It's on the Manta Ray Wikipedia page. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into the juice then. You both got together, you're friends for a long time now, and then you both decide to start game designing? Yeah, so we're at some conventions like the Phoenix Comic Con kind of things, and we're starting to see more and more independent game publishers promoting some of their games. After seeing a lot of those, we kind of got the idea, you know, I I feel like 
we'd be good at that. You know, I, I think we're good with people and we get excited about things. We're passionate about things. So let's brainstorm some ideas. The one that really sticks out was someone pitched us a game as a party game. It was a great pitch. We had a great time. We bought the game. We left the convention. We opened it up and the game was, we've never played it once. We were like, I don't want to play this game. <laughs> and we thought, all right, well, that was fun though. Like, why can't we do that? They've got a game we don't even like and we bought that. So we can make a game people actually like. Wait, you're skipping a few steps here. How did they sell you on the game to the point where you handed them money? And why was it when you <sighs> opened it, you thought, don't sigh so loud on my show. <laughs> <laughs> it was a game where the cards just had dares on them. And you're being we, so civil because you don't want to name the game and hurt people's feelings. I, I can sense this. Um, <laughs> I really liked them. They were so nice and they did a great pitch. But the game turned out to be a lot of stripping. Oh. A lot more stripping than they let on. There was definitely a more adult party game undertone to the whole thing than we realized kind of in that demo, which isn't our typical game night group. So they called all the explicit cards for convention-friendly demos. So it was a little bit of a bait-and-switch maneuver they did on you. And they were affable enough that they sold you on themselves, it sounds, more than the game, which is a lesson yes for all those would-be game designers that are going to be peddling their wares at conventions, is that really, you are selling the game, but more than that, you're selling yourself. And they got you hook, line, and sinker. So when you got home, you just started laying these cards up like, I don't want to be naked in front of all of my friends like this. Yeah. This is interesting you bring it up because we have a game coming out called Tooth or Bear by Jennifer Abley. And Jennifer wrote all these cards, and all of them are family-friendly. It's the truth or dare game that you'll actually want to play. That's our hook so far. What do you think, Sucky? No, it sounds good. And we've oh, heard thank uh, you. <laughs> we've heard some of the demos or like you've played truth or bear a little bit on the podcast and it sounds cool. Oh my goodness, you've listened to some episodes. So thank you. But you decided this game sucks. Why don't we make one that would actually be good? Yeah, we brainstormed a lot. Yeah. A lot of throwaway ideas, a lot of weird ones. Willing to share any of the weird throwaways? Well, as most game designers, I'm sure you come up with a lot of ideas that end up scrapped. No, I got one. Pretty early. We came up with a game called Death to Board, which was like board oh, yeah. to death, but reversed. We based an entire game around the name Death to Board, which was a game where you destroy the game as you play it. So a lot of the cards got torn up in ways, used in weird ways, and it was not good. <laughs> what kept it from being good? The fact that you had to remake it every time you wanted to play? <laughs> well, yeah, th that was kind of the idea behind it is hopefully you can make it affordable enough to where you could easily justify that you're ripping up these cards. There's a little bit of that legacy aspect where it, it's just going to get destroyed over time. And to try to make that as affordable as possible so people are okay with <laughs> like shredding all these cards. But like one of them was like, you have to stick your tongue through this card in 60 seconds. And then you're just like <laughs> savagely <laughs> licking and poking <laughs> at this paper card to try to get your tongue to penetrate it. It's uh, it, it was some weird ideas. That actually sounds pretty appealing. <laughs> Tell me the story of how you made a game that you thought was worth publishing and led to an interaction with Danny Trejo. Yeah, it's a long, weird journey, so we'll try not to go on, on too many tangents because there's a lot of them to go off on. Well, my seatbelt's buckled and my pants are on, so let's do this. 
So the original idea we had was a meta type game that you played while playing video games. So it was kind of like a video game enhancement. Initially, is a lot of Super Smash Brothers things. You got a card before you played and it restricted you to play certain ways or limited your movement. Have to hold the controller backwards or- One eye closed. One just, eye, Just yeah. weird stuff like that that make the game a little more challenging. Just kind of a weird, a weird little way of playing. That sounds fun. Like something I would do with my friends, especially if one was really good. So we had to come up with handicaps. So I like this idea of this analog handicapping of a digital game. So then, this was four years ago, the new Star Wars movie, Force Awakens was coming out, and we were looking to watch all the other Star Wars movies before that happened. And we knew we were going to watch all the Star Wars movies leading up to Force Awakens, because we were excited for that movie. Kind of in the style or fashion of, like, drinking rules, we just decided to put all these things that we know happen just a lot in Star Wars movies onto cards. That way we could watch the movies... And then we'd have these hand of cards with all these things that we know are going to happen. And we're trying to predict when they're going to happen and try to play as many of them as we can. And that was kind of the birth of what uh, is now our game Tropes. Yeah, so we came up with, I think it was 100 cards to start. A lot of things like lightsaber turns on. Um, Someone mentions the force. Yeah. Uh, Holy cow. Yeah, that's that's a lot. Yeah, we were focused on four, five, and six at the time. So things that happened, which... There was a lot of stuff that happened in all three of those movies. So we had 100 cards, and then we played it, and it was amazing. I mean, we played every single card multiple times. So we thought we struck gold. We were really excited. <laughs> like, I don't think I slept for a week after that first playthrough, because I was so excited about it. We were wondering how we could make this happen, and we were, at that point, we were just focused in on Star Wars. So we're like, okay intellectual property, like copyright laws. How does all this work? How can we make this game? We actually met with an IP lawyer and he was willing to meet with us. We're like, hey, let's, how do we get Star Wars intellectual property? What can we talk about? So we took this guy to dinner. Pretty soon after that, realized that we just had no idea what we were doing. Didn't know how to move forward with using Star Wars IP. A little intimidating, yeah. that one. <laughs> he basically oh. said they could bend you over a barrel and show you all 50 states anytime you mention anything that just may lightly be trademarked yeah. or copyrighted on Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mention lightsabers. Don't mention the <laughs> Force. Don't mention Luke, Leia, Han Solo. Don't mention Millennium Falcon. Don't mention any of these things. You have to go all generic. Yeah. So that's when I'm giving Aaron the credit for this one. So he's like, well, let's do a, a version with more of a general genre and see how that works. Maybe we don't even have to use an IP. We switched over to action movies. Yeah, action movies we figured would be a good place to start because there are just a lot of those obvious tropes that you could think of right out the gate. So I spent probably like a good week just watching nonstop action movies, like filled a notebook with ideas, cranked out a few hundred cards, and we decided to test it out, and it worked. It's, like, it really worked. The thing with action movies is there's a plot, but the plot really doesn't matter for the most part. And when all the cards are being played is when there's the most action, and there's no plot during the action. So you're not missing out. Yes. So it seemed like a really obvious next step. Yeah, Aaron got together definitely 200 cards. It was a lot of cards off the bat. And they're just everything you can think of in an action movie. You know, someone has two guns in their hands. Somebody is flipped over. A car crashes. Explosion. Literally anything you can think of that happens in an action movie we made a card for and then we play tested it one of my favorite play tests so far and that was with the movie drive angry starring nicholas cage 
tell him I'm coming. You're too late. Hell's gonna walk the earth. Hell already is walking the earth. He broke out of hell. To make things right. He was a good father. And got mixed up with the wrong crowd. Now, he's got one last shot at redemption. That cult killed my daughter and took her baby. I am going to get her back. Thought you were dead. <laughs> you hoped I was dead. Oh, man. So if you're looking for a good time, go pick up Drive Angry and play this game because it was hilarious. At the end of the movie, I think there's like some cult. Everybody's naked, running around, being blown up. Nicolas Cage has a crazy old magical gun. I've never even heard of this movie, and now I'm totally no going to watch it. No one ever has, but absolutely everyone oh, should. This it's, also, it's this, ridiculous. This movie has a fight scene while Nicolas Cage is having sex, right? What? Yeah. <laughs> he's just swinging his partner around all over the place while exactly. he's killing people? And she, and she doesn't even know anything's happening because she's just too into the sex. And so <laughs> he, but he, halfway through, notices, oh man, there's an ambush coming. But he doesn't want to, you know, he's a gentleman. He doesn't want to interrupt gentleman. this. <laughs> he doesn't want to interrupt this this fine moment they're having. So he just uh, keeps it going while kind of spinning her around to get a shot at the window and get a shot at the guy coming through the door. And I think he kills like 10 people while he's having sex. I mean, the best part is that movie's probably not very good. But all I remember is that it was awesome because we had such a great time watching it. And this is literally the first iteration of this game. All the cards were written down. It's one of my favorite movies now. <laughs> it's, it's one of those weird things. So tropes in general, like we kind of started it to make fun of movies because, oh, you're using the same stuff over and over. But when we really like dialed in and started researching and watching movies and, and you know, compiling our list, there was a genuine appreciation that was kind of <laughs> developing over all of this an appreciation that didn't exist prior to you making the game's tropes. So this is something that was garnered and nurtured and grew? Yeah, a bit, yeah. We've always enjoyed bad movies, but we're kind of like laughing at them. And we're still laughing at them, but there's a lot of like subtleties that you kind of notice. <laughs> it's a like lot of good subtleties. killing 10 people while having sex with someone. Very subtle. <laughs> One of them is a lot of action movies have someone getting chopped up by like a helicopter or some sort of fan, something Motorized like that. Motorized blades, yeah. Um, it happens way more than you'd ever expect it to happen. Now you have this very viable game. I want to hear about how you decided to move forward then with tropes. Yeah, so we knew we found a game that we really liked. We play tested the hell out of it. We got it out to a lot of different groups and different people, even the Cincinnati Reds? Yeah, of, of all <laughs> I had a friend who was friends with some minor league baseball players, and so some minor league Cincinnati Red players played tropes early on. And what was the feedback that you got from the Cincinnati Reds? <laughs> they said that they loved it, and they th could see themselves playing it in a hotel room while they were on the road. Yeah, apparently that's a big untapped market because professional sports players, they're on the road a lot. A lot of times they're watching movies or they just have a lot of time to kill. Something like this was right up their alley, and games in general could be right up their alley with the right games. So, something to think about there. Before we came up with this idea, or right around the same time, Cyanide and Happiness came up with Joking Hazard. I mean, that's a pretty great game. I really like that game. Um, but Love it's attached it. to someone who's internet famous, so they had a good fan base. The year before that was Exploding Kittens, 
So we thought, well, let's find somebody who has some internet presence. Maybe try to see if they want to latch on to her idea, kind of get a quick following to start. So my wife went to high school with Ashley Birch and Anthony Birch. Hey, um, who we published you know, Anthony Birch's game, yeah. Yes, Russian Roulette, which is World Championship Russian Roulette, which is one of our favorite like large group games. 100%. Oh. Yeah. Everyone needs to own that game. I'm not saying that because we're on this podcast. I'm saying that because I tell everybody they need to own that game. I actually own two copies of that game. Have you played up to 12 players? Because you can with multiple copies. We haven't yet, but it is my goal. <laughs> so she knew Ashley Birch. And since then, she had done a lot of voice acting stuff. And they were working with Rocket Jump. Yes. So we're like, all right, Rocket Jump. They like action cliches. They make a lot of silly action stuff. It's a match made in heaven. I'm so excited for you. <laughs> we were too. <laughs> so I shot her an email and she said, yeah, I'll play it. I wasn't really trying to be pushy. I didn't want to exploit the friendship. I just knew that she knew him. I was like, hey, if she plays it, maybe she'll like it so much. She just won't be able to be quiet about it. And she'll tell some people. Next thing you'll be yes. in touch with Rocket Jump and they want to publish your game tropes. Yes. I mean, it didn't really work out that way. And I didn't really push her that hard. That did not happen. But if you guys are listening and you want to jump in, we really like your stuff, Rocket Jump. <laughs> Have you ever tried to just reach out directly to Rocket Jump then and email them with a proposal? <sighs> no, um, it, it was short. <laughs> it, it, no. Was, it was pretty shortly after that we got in touch with forthcoming Celebrity Connection, and then we were kind of locked into that for a little bit. Go on. <laughs> it became pretty clear to us that the game would benefit a lot from having some illustrations. So I reached out to an animation teacher to see, hey, would you be interested in doing some artwork, or could you refer us to someone who might want to illustrate these cards for us? Uh, and we showed him the game, and he loved it. He was just all in, like, I would like to partner up with you guys. Let's do this thing. He mentioned he was doing some other work with a notable celebrity and that he could perhaps get a, a partnership going on. So the illustrator is the one that was working with a movie celebrity. Yeah. Yeah, wow. he was doing some some art for like t-shirts and website so they could sell some merchandise. Keep it going. I'm into this. <laughs> So, yeah, so we went and met with him. We, we'd meet with him about once a month. He had come up with some he art the for illustrator. us. He okay, being right. the illustrator. And the art was excellent. And it really helped you remember the card. So you didn't have to keep reading it. It was easy reference. It added production value. We a were lot of personality to yeah. them. They were great. Between the text on the card, the title, and that, you can come up with 10 different ways to play the card, which is what we wanted. We didn't want you to take that card and only have one way to play it. We want you to have a card and you to come up with the craziest scenarios to play them. So he brings up this connection, and that being Danny Trejo and our eyes lit up <laughs> yeah so yeah he just kind of casually throws it on the table that yeah I'm, I'm working with danny trejo on some stuff maybe he, you know he could uh I he mean, could help us out be in our video that kind of thing and this isn't you know it's just a random celebrity this is an action movie star right and this is right after probably machete i'm assuming came out yes machete 2 was out at yeah already. machete 2 had been out for a little bit also a movie where someone gets chopped up by three helicopters. In the like window of three minutes, there are yes. three separate people that are just blended up into nothing. <laughs> so that movie alone is a great sale for tropes. 
And yes. for the uninitiated, if you don't know Danny Trejo, he's also known as the man with the most recognizable tattoo. He's made famous by Robert Rodriguez and his movies, Desperado. He was in Dusk Till Dawn. So if you saw him, you would know him, but you probably know who he is. I don't know why I'm wasting your time talking about this. You get to interact with Danny Trejo. I don't know if we got to interact We have since met Danny Trejo, but we didn't do a lot of early interacting. Most of that was done through the artist. So you got to work with Danny Trejo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we're like, all right, we've got a celebrity. We've got someone to make some concept art. Let's launch a Kickstarter. (laughs) One of the things we've noticed early on about this game is it's kind of hard to demo. You know, if you've got a small, easy game, you take it to a convention can find some people to sit down at a table and play it. This game requires a movie. Let me interrupt the story right now, because now's the opportunity for us to introduce the elevator pitch. Because if you're going to be demoing this at a convention, you need to be able to sell the game as quickly and as efficiently as possible. So like some type of script writers for a movie trying to sell their movie to a movie producer in an elevator, I want the two of you, Ryan and Aaron, to sell Joe Schmo on this elevator and you have up to a minute to describe the spirit of the game tropes. That isn't the only way we're going to punish you by being nobles on this podcast, because not only are you supposed to give this one minute pitch, you also need to do it in specific characters. Do you have any characters that you're thinking of that you can do the pitch in? Do you do a good Arnold Schwarzenegger? Maybe a good Sylvester Stallone? I'm thinking it has to be action movie oriented. Yes. Any good impersonations? As listeners of the show, we saw this coming. So, <laughs> so we we may have uh, of workshopped a little bit. So we we think we got we think we got a couple. Uh, we'll preface this with I do the worst impersonations of anyone ever. Shut up. The worse, the better. That's what we're hoping for. (laughs) So I'm going to do mine as Sylvester Stallone. Anyone can mumble. (laughs) And I will go with uh, Jason Statham. Oh, wow. You can get to go and try to pull off a nice English accent there, are you? I I think so. I think so. (laughs) We'll uh, we'll see. Now, if you've already workshopped this, one of the two you say, ding me SBJ. All right. Let me uh, (coughs) channel this inner Statham here. Ding me, SBJ. I'm Jason Statham. You know those cliche scenes you feel like you see in all the action movies? Like the hero walking away from a raging explosion without so much as a flinch? Or the bad guy going on and on about his entire evil plan? Or bullets that never run out of guns, that sort of thing? Those are tropes. What we've done is put all those tropes onto cards and made a game that you play as you watch any action movie. Uh, so you gotta uh, get a, your first thing is a movie, and uh, preferably one of my movies like uh, Rambo, and uh, something with lots of explosions and big guns. You get cards in your hands, and they've got everything that you'll see in the movie, and as they happen in front of you, you play those cards. Those cards get you points, and you're just playing the movie and having a lot of fun, and seeing me blow stuff up, shoot things with a Gatling gun. It's, <laughs> it's just a really great time. <laughs> Can I tell you my favorite part of that? Well, the favorite part was definitely the Sylvester Stallone. Second favorite part is the line, bullets that never run out of guns. That was the best. Classic. 
All right, let me tell a little bit of backstory. We met at Origins and you told me about this game Tropes and you pulled out the cards and it seemed magnificent. You gave it to me to take home. I was really looking for a good action movie to use these cards with. Time is very limited, so a lot of times we have to be very picky on our entertainment that we choose. And so I tried to tell my wife, hey, how about we watch Aquaman? And she just said, I'm sorry, there's no way that I'm watching Aquaman. I said, but wait, we have this game Tropes we can try. She thought, well, that sounds brilliant. And suddenly there we were watching and I apologize for those Aquaman fans out there, what would be a horrible movie, and we're laughing our asses off pretty consistently throughout because not only are we getting to play cards, we're getting to steal cards from one another. When you finally find one of these tropes and you're able to play a card, it can change hands between players. Go ahead and explain the stealing mechanism. Yeah, so as you said, if it happens in the movie, you get to play that card. So maybe... Somebody throws a knife at somebody. We'll say we're watching John Wick 3 because this gets a little out of control. (laughs) So John Wick throws a knife. It stabs some guy in the arm. He's screaming. Cool. That just happened. You get to play the card and you put it down on the table. The ultimate goal of the game is you want to play three cards down on the table and then you can discard them and then you get a point. And that's how you get a point. So on your way to those three cards, I have this someone throws a knife at someone on the table In John Wick 3, they look around them and there's cases full of knives. So everyone just starts shattering glass and grabbing all these knives and they're throwing knives left and right. Since someone else throws a knife and I have that card on the table, Ryan can say, hey, they threw a knife and steal that card away from me. So now he has it. However, that wasn't his third card, so he's not trading them in for a point. Because everyone has knives now, there's knives going left and right. So everyone's calling it out and this card's just bouncing back and forth all over the place until someone can play it as their third card so they could actually get it out of play and redeem it for a point. There's actually a great scene in uh, one of the Fast and Furious movies, and they're in Dubai, and they drive two cars between the really tall buildings in Dubai. So they're, like, crashing through glass between buildings. Well, we have three different cards that talk about glass being destroyed, breaking through windows. There's just a few different iterations. All three of those cards were on the table at the same time. When I played that movie, 20, 30 windows get broken through in a matter of 30 seconds. So three cards are just being stolen back and forth across the table. And I was crying. I was laughing so hard (laughs) over such a silly scene. This game really is a lesson in cinematic literature when it comes to action movies because you see how it's one trope after another trope after another. And so now what we need to do is stop talking about the game itself and go back in time, well before I got the game in Origins, back to when you're thinking of launching a Kickstarter, now with Danny Trejo Machetti attached to the game. Yeah, so we had this exciting celebrity who's just the face of action so we we made mistakes. <laughs> we, we did not do nearly enough pre-marketing leading up to the game. You know, we Ah, yeah, that's rule number 1 in Kickstarter. So we live in Phoenix and in the same town are the creators of the Tiny Epic series, the Gamelin guys live here in Queen Creek. Oh, sweet. They had just done Tiny Epic Western, which I am nationally ranked at. Just saying, everybody. I'm ranked second in the nation at Tiny Epic Westerns. You're a big deal. (laughs) 
So we actually reached out to them and asked them if they wouldn't mind meeting us for some lunch so we can get some advice on kickstarting games. Super nice guys, Michael and Nathan. Michael's advice was go out there and tell people about your game and get a fan base before you kickstart. That was like his number one advice, and it was the number one thing that we did not listen to. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So we kind of figured we have Danny Trejo, whose social media following is like four and a half million or just something outrageous. So we're like, eh, we got it covered. We got the Trejo fans. We got Trejo. We're good. And we actually did try to do some. Phoenix Comic Con is in May. This is about five months prior to launching the Kickstarter. So we're at Comic-Con, and Danny Trejo's there, and we thought, hey, let's go meet Trejo. Maybe he's excited about the game. Maybe he's played the game. Like, we really wanted him to see it. We brought some cards. We brought some prints, and he had no idea who we were. What? (laughs) I think it was the first time he had seen the actual cards, too. (laughs) Did he even know he signed off on a deal to have his name included with the game Tropes? It didn't seem that way. He just had no idea who we were. Super nice. Shook our hands. He took some cards. He's like, oh, yeah. I mean, the cards had his picture on them. We were like, all right, well, that was a little strange. We were really excited for him to come to town. We thought it was a great way to get some promotion, live promotion of it. And it just didn't work out that way. And this was a few months from when we were planning on launching the Kickstarter. So I guess it was... Wrong to say that we didn't do like any kind of pre-marketing. Like there, there definitely were yeah. efforts made. I don't think you're insane because <laughs> thinking that your game is connected to a big name like Danny Trejo is a lot of marketing. If, and here's the caveat, only if they get on social media and promote it for you. I just want to validate that you're not idiots. Go on. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> So then we were getting ready to launch the Kickstarter. We kind of got some assets from the artist. We put together our Kickstarter page, kind of did our best to come up with something that we thought would work. Quick note, at this point, when we had collaborated, we had changed the name and the tropes became Calling the Shots. So we launched it as Calling the Shots. Interesting, because (laughs) in the Calling the Shots Kickstarter, it has Danny Trejo in it. He's in the Kickstarter video. Yeah, he. Uh, so our artist works more with his manager. We sent them some cards and we sent them some lines to read and he read us some lines. So we got 10 videos of him reading a line and putting down a card for the end of our video. We're going to segue to the video because the, <laughs> the game started as a Star Wars thing. So we're already kind of like, okay, we need to be very careful about using intellectual property and like actual movie clips. So for our Kickstarter video, we need to explain how you play this game and it requires showing people watching movies. We weren't sure if we're allowed to show clips from actual action movies and stuff, so we figured, you know what, we'll just recreate our own action movie. Right, it sounds like super fun. It reminds (laughs) me of that movie with Jack Black. Be Kind Rewind. Be Kind Rewind, yes. Man, we got way too fixed, like way too fixed. I think we spent six months filming footage for this movie. Uh, I mean, if you go to the Calling the Shots Kickstarter, which you can still see, it's still, it's canceled, but it's up um, and watch the video. We made a knife throwing scene. We've got a car chase scene. There was a helicopter crashing down on somebody. And a lot of this, we had to learn how to do green screen effects was our first time kind of going into that, adding like digital 
muzzle flares on guns. Like all of this was new to us. This and just, is fucking crazy. We <laughs> built a 20 foot green screen out of PVC pipe and my friend sewed together some green fabric that we bought and we made a green screen that was larger than my garage so we could possibly do some walkaway shots in front of it. I even tried to do some shots where I was on top of the car so I could kind of green screen like I was uh, <laughs> driving and like being thrown around on top of the car. <laughs> yeah, one of the things we did was we got a toy helicopter and we used the iPhone slow-mo. We lit the toy helicopter on fire and dropped it in slow-mo and then built an explosion around it and Aaron walked away from that explosion. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of effort that could probably should have been spent in other places. We went into this mostly because, you know, it was fun to do. We we're pretty excited. <laughs> we're also saying this because our goal is to get this game off the ground. One, because we really want people to play it. It's a really fun game. And two, because then we can kind of do more of this crazy weird stuff like post videos that we've recreated action scenes and <laughs> have all this fun promotional stuff for the game. But it didn't fund. <laughs> it did not. At <laughs> what point did you realize, shit, this isn't going to fund. We failed. So, you know, the campaign had probably been going on a week, and we haven't really gained any backers since that initial wave that came in, which, I mean, Kickstarter kind of lets you see where those are coming from, and it was pretty much all friends and family. Yeah, we got $3,700. I'd say 3500 of it was from our family buying copies. And then just crickets. No movement, nothing coming in. We're doing what we can sharing posts. There were uh, a couple of posts on Danny's social media, and those were the ones we're really crossing our fingers for, and there just wasn't a lot of traffic coming to the page. Nothing was really happening. We're kind of grasping at straws and trying to do anything we can to get movement. We're going to pull the plug on this thing. And so, yeah, we canceled it. We met up a little bit after to kind of talk about plans for the future. Yeah. Plans for the future. We wanted to kind of take it to more of like a gorilla approach, make a print play, get it out there to people that way, and just have people play the game. Because again, we really just want people to play our game. So did you make the decision then to sell it to potential publisher then? We think this game is special. We didn't want to just sell it to anybody. So we really sought out some specific people that we thought it fit. Is that where the story brings me in? Don't think you have to say like, and that's what brought us to your booth. You don't have to lie on this show. <laughs> I mean, a little bit it was. Tuesday Night Games, you know, they're a little more outside the box. Like Two Rooms and a Boom is not a traditional game by any means. And especially with this, how do you demo Two Rooms and a Boom? You just have to play it, right? Yeah. And that's kind of the same thing that we're finding with Tropes is play it and chances are you're going to love it. We launched the Kickstarter almost two years after we came up with the idea. So we came up with it in 2015. The Kickstarter launched in 2017. That was a roller coaster two years. I mean, it was exciting. I had a lot of sleepless nights thinking about the game. We'd meet three, four times a week to work on the game. And it kind of built up to nothing. And that was extremely hard. Man. We're still excited about the game. We still play the game, but it's kind of been difficult to recapture that momentum yeah, and that same drive that we had before. But this is where the story gets even darker. I want to talk about the Kickstarter that closed out recently. About a month ago, we start getting some messages from friends of ours. Hey, have you seen this game on Kickstarter? 
we check it out and we find movie cliches, the card game. So Aaron texted me that morning about it. That was not a very good day. (laughs) (laughs) I just had a pit in my stomach the entire day. If you go to the Kickstarter, it's a similar game, but it's not the same. He has less cards. It's less about playing them and getting points and more about just having played them throughout the game. While ours is more of a game with structure. There's more interaction too. The players are interacting with each other. On this one, it's if it happens on the screen, you play the card, you got a point, and then you're kind of done with it. And then you're just moving on to the next card. So the stealing mechanic isn't really there. But still, this guy put up a game, uh, did pretty darn well with it, with generally what's the same idea as ours. I personally don't think he stole our idea, and I'm really Yeah, I, I don't think either of us do. A lot of, you know, friends and family are like, these guys just stole your idea. What are you going to do about it? We've been following the industry and stuff, and this kind of thing happens a lot. We definitely don't think there's any foul play there. We just think, hey, someone else thought of the same idea. They executed it better than we did, and... They executed their Kickstarter better than well, we right. did. Well, all right, yeah. <laughs> they, they did their campaign homework. Yeah. But I think our game is still different, different enough that they're two separate games, that he didn't just put our game up there. There's plenty of examples in the game industry where there's similar mechanics, but differences in the rules are specific enough that you are getting different games from it. I could just go on and on about the differences between Dominion and any other deck builder that's out there. What if it was malicious? What if this person saw, oh my goodness, here's this failed Kickstarter. I think I can do it better and went ahead and made this game. I'm just playing the what if game. What are your options then? Because my understanding is you still can't do anything because copyright doesn't cover anything but the actual word by word of your rules and your illustrations. You can't copyright or trademark mechanics. So what do you do if it was malicious? That's kind of where we're at. Either way, what really can we do about it? We look at our game, we look at his game, and we fundamentally believe our game is more fun. Our game should still be out there. It's different. It's a different experience. We think it's a better experience. A little bias there, but how do we move forward with it? And we'd always kind of had the print and play at the back of our mind. We hadn't really been pushing it all that much, but well, if we can't make money on it, let's at least get people to play it. Let's get the print and play out there. Let's have people play the game. They can decide for themselves. So there's a print and play available. Whoa, hold on. How do people get a hold of your print and play? We have a website, tropesgame.com. Print and play is up there along with the set of rules. The game is 200 cards. Get ready to print some cards. I made them into a small format so you fit 24 cards on a page to try to save some people money. We also put the game up on Game Crafters. Whoa, shut up. (laughs) Sponsors, yay! Thank you for sponsoring us. Send us free stuff for money and we'll talk about your stuff. But only if we like it. <laughs> Wait, what was that? Where can you go to get? I couldn't. We <laughs> we put the game up on Game Crafters. So in case you don't want to print it out, because this is like a Cards Against Humanity size game. It's a lot of cutting. It's economic, yeah. So we put it up on Game Crafters. We'll have a link on our Facebook. We'll have a link on the webpage. And you'll have a link at the bottom of this show. So if you're listening to this right now, just check out the show notes below and you'll find all those links there. And that's $20.99. 
and and that's with us getting 13 cents. It's early. We just want people to play the game. We want you to have an easy option to go get the game without having to print and cut a bunch of stuff. So you're saying for less than like $10 more, I don't have to go through the work of printing all these cards out and cutting them out and getting rough cuts and flimsy ass cardstock paper. Instead, I have full quality. Does it even have a box? Did you design a box for all these cards to stay in? No, we didn't add a box to it because it's like $8. Then fuck that, we're cutting that out. <laughs> so you're saying I get all that? Oh my goodness, it's worth that alone. And I know on the Game Crafter, they deliver that stuff really fast. <laughs> Whew. So if they want to get a hold of this game, maybe might we say superior to movie cliches, and you're going to get it before movie cliches since you were out before then, you can go ahead and check it out at tropesgame.com or just go to thegamecrafter.com to get all your goods. And I'm assuming they would just type in tropes in the search engine and it will come right up. Tropes, tropes game. We'll make sure all the keywords are there. Go to the website and download and play the game and let us know what you think. We want to hear about the movies you play with, we want to hear about the different things you see, the ideas you have for cards. We really want people to be a part of this, so give us the feedback. We're excited for it. Now, to give you that feedback, do they simply go to tropesgame.com and follow the contact there, or is there a social media website, something else they should use to contact you? So the website will direct you back to our Facebook, which is probably where we're going to be the most active. On Facebook, it would just be Tropes Movie Game. So just join that group and boom, you can start leaving that feedback right away. Hey, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here. I hope everyone checks out Tropes and checks out thegamecrafter.com. Please write us your comments, questions, concerns, your own stories for your Nave Tonight submissions, much like Ryan and Aaron did previously with a Halloween episode, and you can go ahead and become knights. Speaking of which, I'm supposed to knight you. You two ready to take me? This yes. is the yes. first time I'm knighting people live. What do you want your names to be? We never get to ask people. You want it to be Aaron Ryan, Sir Halloween Cupid, Sir oh, Tropes? Man. I feel like it has to be Halloween Cupid. I'm sticking with Sir Tropes then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Knaves, approach we nobles and kneel to allow us to honor thee. We, on behalf of all knaves, knights, and nobles alike, applaud thine heroic and knightly contribution to this, the Tuesday Night Podcastle. Allow us to dub thee Sir Halloween Cupid and Sir Tropes of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Now rise, rise, Sir Halloween Cupid and Sir Tropes as the newest knights of the Tuesday Night Gaming Table. Yay! Yay! If you have comments, questions, concerns, or you want to submit your own Nave Tonight submission, please email us at TuesdayNightGames.com. So I think with that being said, this episode is... Finished. <laughs> 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 <laughs>